please join me in the prayer of illumination. Prepare our hearts, O God, to hear and accept your word. Quiet our worries, calm our anxieties, and help our spirits to be still, so that in these words we may hear your voice. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Psalm 68, verses 1 through 10, and verses 32 through 35. Let God rise up, let his enemies be scattered, let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, let the wicked perish before God. But let the righteous be joyful, let them exult before God, let them be jubilant with joy. Sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides upon the clouds. His name is the Lord, be exultant before him. Father of orphans and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God gives the desolate a home to live in. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious live in a parched land. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, Salai, the earth quaked, the heavens poured rain down at the presence of God, the God of Sinai at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O God, you showered aboard, you restored your heritage when it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it, in your goodness. O God, you provided for the needy. Sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth. Sing praises to the Lord, Salai. O rider in the heavens, the ancient heavens, listen, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God, whose majesty is over Israel, and whose power is in the sky. Awesome is God in his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament lesson this morning comes from the first epistle of Peter. In the fourth chapter, we will read verses 12 through 14. And in the fifth chapter, we will read verses 6 through 11. So listen now for the word of God to the church. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, 
who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A while back, a good friend of mine in ministry, Monty Knight, shared something that has been a help and a guide to me ever since. At this point in my life, he said, I've figured out that I really only need three prayers. Thank you, forgive me, and I give it to you. That prayer strategy came quickly to mind as I sat down with this scripture and began to write this sermon. A thank you prayer is obvious enough. It recognizes that one of the marks of a true Christian is humble gratitude. This is not the prayer of the Pharisee who thanked God that he was not like that tax collector. This is the prayer of the tax collector who thanks God for the blessings that are not deserved, who appreciates every gift and wants to recognize the giver. A forgive me prayer seems obvious given that we offer a prayer of confession at every service. As Monty sees it and describes it, however, this prayer is more about us. God has already promised to forgive us. God's grace is from everlasting to everlasting. God prays for us with sighs too deep for words, even when we don't know what we should pray. So this forgive me prayer is more of a plea to our own spirits. As we speak to God, we seek the grace that we need to give ourselves. It is a prayer that we will offer to ourselves a break and love ourselves just as God does. But it's the third prayer, the I give it to you prayer, that came immediately to mind. This is the prayer that we pray when we are in way over our heads. It is sobbed out of places of intense grief and pain. It is muttered in the midst of absurd situations, no-win scenarios, when the deck seems completely stacked against us. It is cried out when we get to the end of all kinds of ropes, be they physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. This is the prayer, the Lord I give it to you prayer, that seems to be preached in this passage from 1 Peter. To paraphrase the text, don't spend your time or energy trying to understand the reasons for your suffering. You are experiencing a taste of what Christ experienced. Being brought low is merely part of being lifted up. The humbling is part of the exalting. Cast all your anxiety on Christ because Christ cares for you. That's the heart of it, I think, the anxiety. 
The Greek noun is rich and multifaceted. Merimna can mean care or worry, but that seems too light for this context. Anxiety, especially as it appears in the Greek, captures a key element of this ancient word, which is the element of separation and brokenness. It conveys the experience of being divided and fractured into parts. In other words, it is about going to pieces. That would be my translation. If in your pain you are going to pieces, cast it all on Christ. Lord, I give it to you because I am falling apart and I cannot bear this alone. This past Wednesday, I had the honor of helping officiate the graveside service for Julia Flood, a member of this congregation known to many of you. We gathered in a rural cemetery just outside of McClellanville, and I was wearing then, as I am this morning, the bow tie that Julia gave me about a year ago. The sky was cloudy that day, and the air was still in advance of that big storm that blew through later. The crowd was still as well, reverent and still, and everyone there except for me was an African-American, but I was received with nothing but grace and warmth and gratitude, and I noticed that almost everyone there was wearing a mask. And everyone arranged themselves effortlessly and thoughtfully with plenty of distance without anyone having to direct them to do so. In every way, the group modeled care for one another, respect for the well-being of others, and a desire to do, as Scripture says, to share and bear the burdens of others, for in so doing we fulfill the law. Of Christ. In the service, our prayers were full of thank yous. We thanked God for Julia's life, for her jazziness, for her sassiness, for her toughness and her heart. There were also a lot of forgive me prayers to go around. We leaned on Paul's confidence that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we claimed God's grace for Julia's failings and for our own. And after the service was over, I experienced a new funeral tradition, a final viewing at the gravesite right before Julia's body was interred. I have learned this across the years of my experience in the church, that every region has its own assumptions about funerals, and every culture has its own way of saying goodbye. During the viewing, one of Julia's grandchildren came forward, and due to a variety of family difficulties, she had lived with Julia for most of her childhood. And as the granddaughter drew near to the casket, a powerful wave of emotion came over her. It began with strong sobs, and those sobs became wailing. 
and family members supported her as her legs became wobbly. Physically, she held it together pretty well, but it was clear that she was, in an emotional sense, going to pieces. It was clear that there was a weight upon her that had to be dropped or cast off, that a geyser of grief was welling up with such force that she had no choice but to let it erupt. And in that moment, the only thing I could think of was the invitation of Scripture. Cast all your anxiety on him. And I prayed for her and for me and for all of us. Lord, let her give it to you. The evangelist Tony Campolo tells a story that helps us understand what happens when we cast our anxieties upon Christ, when we honestly try to give our burdens to God. He had taken his son Bart to Disneyland, and this was decades ago, back in the time when your park pass came with a booklet and you only had a certain number of tickets for the rides in that booklet. And it had been a long day and it was time to go. But Bart wasn't quite ready to leave. Let's go for just one more ride on Space Mountain, he said. Now, Bart's dad was exhausted and not really up for that. We are out of time, he said. We are out of tickets. We are out of money. And it's time to go home. But Bart knew just how to play it. Jesus wants me to go, he said. It's a brilliant strategy for any kid, especially a preacher's kid. Okay, Campolo said, you've got my attention. Why does Jesus want you to have one more ride on Space Mountain? When you were preaching last Sunday, Bart said, you said that whenever we cry, Jesus cries. That whenever we are sad, Jesus is sad. That Jesus feels whatever we are feeling the moment we are feeling it. And he was 100% on target. Campolo had preached those very words. Well, Bart continued, if Jesus feels what we feel the moment we are feeling it, then I am quite sure that in this moment, Jesus would very much enjoy me having one more ride on Space Mountain. It is not bad theology. When we are committed to Jesus, Jesus does feel what we feel. He wants us to experience joy. He wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us to enjoy a blessed life. And this truth also means that when our hearts are breaking, when we cannot see a way out, when life seems to be breaking us into pieces, Jesus is right there suffering with us. This is the power of the I give it to you prayer. It plugs our human experience into the divine power source of Christ so that even though we may suffer a death like his, we might also enjoy an exaltation like his. And we can taste a life like his. And we can experience a glory like his. God, I give it to you. 
is not about wish granting. It is about burden sharing. And that prayer makes us realize that Christ is sharing the roller coaster ride of life with us. His arms holding us closely through the ups and the downs, the thrills and the terrors, the joys and the pains. I have found it to be a powerful strategy for faithful living, these three simple prayers. And I commend them to you in the same spirit in which they were commended to me. Count your blessings and say thank you. Be honest about your sins, but be kind to yourself and pray, forgive me. And when life is a struggle, when grief threatens to pull you under, then take the admonition of 1 Peter and humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in good time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And utter the powerful words, Lord, I give it to you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.